Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the Big Football Show, your daily Big Ten podcast brought to you by The Athletic Bill Landis, joined by our Penn State beat writer, Audrey Snyder. Audrey, I almost called you Audrey Wasserman. I had I, to I catch myself, of course, Ari Wasserman, my co-host on the Ohio State podcast, 46 with A&B. And Audrey, I apologize. I almost, I almost labeled you a Wasserman. That's the label no one wants. But you can catch Ari Wasserman on Fridays on here, right? That's right. Ari, Ari will be on Friday uh, giving you Big Ten picks against the spread with Jesse Temple. And the best piece of advice I can give you with that is fade whatever picks Ari makes. Go go against him. Make yourself some money. Enjoy your weekend. And then come back the following week and do it all again. Ouch. Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty good advice, Bill. I, I really respect you just coming out and laying it out there. And yeah, happy to be here with you, and glad you did not call me Audrey Wasserman. <laughs> came came very close, came very close. I'm still stuck in Ohio State mode, uh, but that will not be the the way of this podcast. Uh, you and I both cover teams in the Big Ten East. Uh, I, of course, cover Ohio State. You cover Penn State. And we'll inevitably be talking about both of those programs a lot, but, but there are other places you can get discussion about both those programs as well. We're going to talk about the Big Ten East as a whole. That's the goal with this show when we come to you on Tuesdays. Uh, we'll talk about the race to win a division, obviously, but we'll talk about everybody. We'll talk about Rutgers, Maryland. Um, Rutgers some more. Rutgers some more because it is a, a juggernaut. It is, if I had to guess, actually, it, maybe it's Maryland. Which which of the two programs do you think is closest to a Wawa? Probably Rutgers, right? Well, I know before covering a game at College Park last year, I went from my hotel to a Wawa to the game. And it was about eight to ten minutes, I believe, traffic pending. So I'm going to go Maryland, but we're going to have to look this up, Bill. This is We'll pull up up a map, and depending on – we're going to talk – the amount with which we talk about a program will be determined by its proximity to the nearest Wawa. I like Which it. means Rutgers and Maryland will get all the discussion and we'll talk about nobody else for the duration of this podcast. That's good. I mean, because one of these teams probably is going to end up in the last place game. So uh, if, you're, if you build yourself closer to a Wawa, my theory is that it helps you with recruiting. Uh, so therefore, you're not going to end up in that last place championship week game. If I'm a four-star prospect and your sales pitch is we're close to a Wawa, sold every time. I mean, that's why do you think Ohio State's had so much success in Philadelphia, Bill? I think we may have alienated every listener we have that's in the Midwest <laughs> footprint because they have no idea what a Wawa is. It's like sheets, but better. Um, and if you don't yeah. know what that is, it's like a UDF, but better. Or it's like a Pilot Gas Station, but better. Yeah, it's better than pretty much everything else out there. Bill and I are really pulling hard to try and get this show sponsored by Wawa. So we're, we're off to a hot start here. <laughs> 
we will talk about Rutgers and Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan, Indiana, and of course Ohio State and Penn State. Um, the season opens this weekend, Friday night. It's a Big Ten West game. It's it's Illinois and Wisconsin. The, the East teams get rolling on Saturday. There's some interesting matchups. Uh, we will talk about those in a bit. But before we get to matchups and, and just some thoughts on each team in the, in the division as a whole, Audrey, uh, I wanted to ask you some stuff about sort of the direction that Penn State's going. Because mm-hmm. I think when you, when you talk about the Big Ten East, you think first and foremost about Ohio State. And then once you get beyond that, you think, like, who can realistically challenge Ohio State? And, and for the last few years, a team that's come the closest is Penn State. Last year's game was was a little more lopsided. But before that, you're talking about two teams that played one-point games a lot. Um, three years in a row, I think it was one possession games at the very least. Um, yeah. And then back-to-back years, it was one-point games. So Penn State's been knocking on the door. They're, they're right there. They have the win over Ohio State. They've gone to the Big Ten Championship. Um but there's some shuffling going on with Penn State's coaching staff, and I'm sort of fascinated to see where this offense goes because when I think about Penn State and Ohio State and whether Penn State can, can actually unseat the Buckeyes, I think about whether or not Penn State can score enough to do it. And last year they only scored 17 points, and some of that was aided by a short field um, and Will Levis like playing out of his mind <laughs> after he came <laughs> yeah, out of that Clifford game. Yeah, gets hurt. Levis is, becomes a battering ram. Yeah. Right. So it was, it was kind of – it wasn't – it wasn't a normal functioning Penn State offense that managed to put some points up on Ohio State last year. And I'm wondering, as we expect Ohio State to be like a real force offensively, maybe the best offense we've seen in Columbus in quite some time, where Penn State would kind of match up when they have Kirk Soraka coming in, former offensive coordinator at Minnesota. We know that offense was explosive last year. I'm curious, what what's the vibe in State College for what, what he's going to do for this offense? And, and what was James Franklin looking for when he brought him in? Yeah, I think, Bill, I mean, the Penn State offense, it was not as explosive as it needed to be the last couple of years. Now, people will look at that and say, oh, well, their offense was still pretty good. And it was. But if your measuring stick is, again, that great to elite jump that James Franklin teed up there for himself a few years ago, you had to have a better offense to do it. Because their defense last year was spectacular. And, you know, Sean Clifford this year, second year as a starter. So you want to see what that development is. But I really liked the Kirk Sharaka hire. I liked it when they made it. I really liked it now. Um, what I don't like is probably the same thing that he doesn't like is the fact that he didn't have spring ball. And, you know, you were so limited this summer with what you could do. Everything, of course, like it's been everywhere, has been on Zoom. So getting the timing down in this offense is going to be critical. And I've talked to different play- people who've played for Sharaka and asked them, um, you know, what are some of the tenets of his offense? What's the most important thing or the most important traits of a Kirk Sharaka coached quarterback? Uh, and one of those actually came with Andy Hall, the former Delaware quarterback. So he won a national title with Sharaka at Delaware. Um, and Andy was fascinating because so many of the things he said, he's like, you know, when you're running this offense at a high level, it's like you're going to the orchestra. And if somebody messes it up, it's going to be like the person who hits the wrong note and everybody's going to scream because it's just going to be so awful. And that's what the timing means to this offense. And it takes time to get there. So I'm just wondering how quickly Penn State can get there um, because as we will be talking a lot, I'm sure, quite a bit next week, <laughs> that big uh, big week two matchup, Penn State-Ohio State, uh, primetime kick, by the way, Bill, no, to the surprise of right. one. Uh, primetime kick. But, you know, Sharaka was brought in to elevate this offense. But the big thing that James Franklin kept saying about this hiring, and this goes to your point, Bill, about why did he bring him in? Um, he wanted, Franklin wanted this to be a blended offense. And I'm really curious 
to see what exactly that means, what exactly that looks like, because if you're bringing in Shiraka to run this offense that he ran at Minnesota, that was his whole scheme. I personally think when you try to blend offenses, it gets a little messy. Now, is them saying it's a blended offense just a nice way to kind of put some window dressings on it and say, hey, like, yeah, Ricky Ronnie, like we're not totally, you know, trashing the system that was being run here. Um, I'm not sure. But, of course, there was no spring ball to see this offense. So I expect that it's going to look a lot like Minnesota's did. Um, but I do think, like any offense, you got to work to the, your strengths and your personnel and that's where a guy like Pat Fryermuth is going to continue to shine in this offense. That's where Penn State's receiving core uh, has to step it up alongside Jahan Dotson. But, yeah, how much of it is blended, Bill? I'm very curious to, to kind of see and find out. Um, but, yeah, th- that was the hire of the offseason for Penn State. I think it might have been the hire of the offseason in, in the Big Ten. If I'm, maybe I'm speaking mm-hmm. out of turn, but I'm just trying to think, like, new new coordinators around the league – um, certainly, Kerry Combs taking over as defensive coordinator at Ohio State is, is high profile, but he had been at Ohio State before, and, and I don't think much is changing on, on their defensive side. Maybe it's like minor tweaks here or there, but nothing wholesale. Um, Indiana's got a new offensive coordinator, but I'm, I'm not sure how much changes there either. Um, I really do think in terms, of, in terms of a coordinator that could implement significant change at, at any school in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten East, it's Kirk Soraka. Kirk Soraka. Is it Soraka? It's Soraka. Soraka. Say it five times fast. Soraka. <laughs> I was watching YouTube videos on Monday to try to figure out how to pronounce it, and I think I've pronounced it four different ways so far. Yeah, Soraka. Sh- it's it's a it's a fun name. Yeah. But I, I do think, Bill, and to your point, if there's somebody who's you know you make a hire in the Big Ten, you want somebody who's going to bring an instant change he did this with a lesser talented roster at Minnesota, you know. So I think you look at it and. He's going to have to. Sean Clifford's going to have to have a better year this year than he did last year. Um, you know, most of the offseason was spent trying to get them on the same page with the terminology. So the terminology has changed, which again, so how much of it's really blended if you're changing terminology? I don't know, Bill. Um, but, you know, I do think you have the pieces there. This should be a very, very talented offense. And that's how you got to take your big swings at Ohio State. Um, because you have the playmakers on offense and you brought in a new offensive line coach and Phil Troutwine to try and upgrade that area too, because that's an area that should have been quite better the last few years than it's been. Um, and I'm not going to oversell the offensive line because I feel like we've done that quite a bit around here the last five years and it has, hasn't always been the case. Um, but I do, I like the Troutwine hire as well. Um, but the receiving core is the biggest question for Penn State's offense. So they brought in another new coach there in Taylor Stubblefield. So all kinds of trans- transitions on this offense. Um, but, yeah, Shiraka hire was massive. We'll have plenty of time next week, like you said, to mm-hmm. kind of dive into Ohio State and Penn State. So I'm, I'm going to try to not make this that kind of conversation, although yeah. I think we'll end up getting there anyway. We'll default to it, but, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. pull ourselves back, Bill. I'm just very curious, like – James Franklin has had so much coaching turnover in his tenure and, and they've been fairly good, you know, kind of in spite of that um, or despite that. But when you think about like, I don't think Ohio State's all that vulnerable this year anyway, probably not, probably not vulnerable yeah. at all, but it's a weird year. I get like, we've seen like anything can kind of happen in this year in college football, but with all the change happening at Penn state, I just feel like 
they're going to miss this window for a weird year because they're going through so much transition themselves. Like if they were a year or two into having all these new systems in place, I think they'd be in like in a really advantageous spot to kind of like spring an upset on Ohio state and maybe get to Indianapolis again. But with a timing new OC, a bunch of new position coaches, like, yeah, the, the timing's off. for them. And then you lose Micah Parsons on top of that. Right. And then Ohio State's like, yeah, hey, by the way, we're all opting back in and Justin Fields is not leaving. So, I mean, it's – for me, Bill, had Penn State not lost Micah Parsons, had they actually had fans in the stands for this week two whiteout matchup, um, I think it would have been more compelling than it might be. Because what I want to see this week, Bill – is a little, at least 10 minutes of Ohio State, Nebraska to see if, you know, Ohio State looks human in any areas, um, which I'm, I'm not banking on, but what do you think? That's what we were trying to, to decide on our episode of uh, four to six with A&B that, that uh, went up on Monday was whether or not Ohio State will be in full Death Star mode by the time the season starts. Um, because they've been like they've been, it's hard to get a real vibe for it because we're not around them. It's just from talking to them. You don't they're see very, anything, right? they're very locked in. They are yeah. very locked in. Of course, they're always talented. They're angry with the way last year ended. They're angry with the way this preseason kind of played itself out. I think everyone's aware of that. Um, Ryan Day was angry, Bill. Wait, did I miss that in the office? Yes, he was not. He was not uh, all that happy over the last few months. I think he's happy now. Um, maybe a little nervous about, about getting an entire season done, but but I think he's happy to be back on the field. But I've said this before about Ohio State, and I guess it's true about everybody, but when you have that kind of talent and you combine it with a very angry group of people, usually the result of that is some pretty impressive football. So I fully expect Ohio State, and at the moment they're like a 27-point favorite over Nebraska in the opener. Like I think they cover that kind of comfortably. So uh, I don't envision you flipping on the TV on Saturday at noon on Fox and seeing a – Ohio State team showing many vulnerabilities. Well, I mean, the good news is I won't have to leave extra early because I won't be fighting traffic in Bloomington to get to the game. Uh, so maybe I can watch, you know, 30, 40 minutes as opposed to 10. Who knows? There is an interesting slate of games, I think, for, for the openers this week. And let me run through them real quick. Um, the, the night game is Michigan at Minnesota, which I think is very interesting. Penn State at Indiana at noon. Nebraska at Ohio State at noon, Rutgers at Michigan State at noon, and then for some reason, Maryland and Northwestern is a night game on Big Ten Network. Marquee game, baby. I don't know why they put that <laughs> up against Michigan and Minnesota, but I don't make those kind of decisions. Now, you cover Penn State, obviously. You're going to be at Penn State at, at Indiana, so maybe the, your answer to this is is that game. But which of those games, when you look at that slate, are you most interested in and why? It actually is the one I'm covering, Bill, and this will not be the answer every week. Um, <laughs> but I really do. I mean, Indiana is just at such an interesting crossroads where it's like they're coming off their best season in 26 years. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. finally healthy, uh, which, by the way, Bill, I had, I had a quick question about this before I get back to my thought. Um, I hopped on the Twitter machine on Sunday and saw that you were tweeting about Googling Michael Penix and getting some interesting results. If you're not too careful, Googling that last name. So yeah. I'm wondering, were you typing in Phoenix? Or can you explain to us, Bill, no, what exactly no. were you typing uh, in here? I don't understand. My uh, my finger slipped and I typed in the wrong letter at the end. Ah, uh, and, yeah, uh, I, I the imagine first, so. The first result was quite jarring. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Penn State's hoping it's not going to be a jarring game uh, on Saturday in Bloomington. But I do think with Indiana, I mean, it's just like you look at it, and I I don't want to say if ever they're going to be legit, maybe this is it, because I feel like that's just setting them up for a letdown. Um, But this is by no means a cakewalk for Penn State. And 
like we mentioned before, with all of the changes on this offense, with losing your best player in Micah Parsons, um, with an empty stadium, I don't care if you're home or away, because so many times on the road, guys thrive off of the opposing team, talking crap to them and their fans. It's just going to be different all around. And, and I do think if Penn State comes out slow and if they stumble around a little bit, um, I know James Franklin tweeted out Indiana, 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 like 50 times on Sunday as per usual. But you can't tell me, Bill, these guys aren't peeking ahead to week two. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think they are. I, I think they would be, and that would be normal. It's human nature, right? Yes, for I mean, sure. Heck, we're, we're peeking ahead to week two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, especially I, I am over here because, you know, Nebraska is just not doing a whole lot for me. It's an interesting matchup because these were the two teams that were yelling the loudest to get football back. And I don't say, I don't say that, you know, as a way of making fun of them, but but it was clear who the, the two teams were at the front of the, the march well, were. And it was, yeah, yeah, they were, yes. They were they were both leaders. I think only one of those teams will end up going down as legends after the season's <laughs> over. Um, I have I, I want to ask you something about Penn State Indiana, but before I do that, um, Michigan and Minnesota is the game that I'm most interested in, the, the night game on ABC, because I want to see Joe Milton, yeah. and I cannot believe that we're entering year six of Jim Harbaugh, and this is the first time that he will start a quarterback that he recruited out of high school in a season opener. It's it's like, it's absurd that that's the, where we've ended up with him, who was supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. And I think it, it reflects kind of poorly on Jim Harbaugh, but I do think Joe Milton's very good. And I saw him a little bit at the tail end of the 2018 Ohio state Michigan game. And that was pure garbage time, but you know, he, he actually flashed a little bit. I don't know. Have you, have you seen him? Did he play against Penn state at all? When you covered them? I do not recall. So Bill, I don't, although I feel like, most of last year I've blocked out. <laughs> I feel like honestly anything from like May to right now I barely remember. So he's got a really strong arm, like super strong arm, like fun fun the watch kind of strong arm. Is very athletic. He's a big kid. Um, he's he's different than I think anything they've had at that position. And obviously we know what they want to do with their offense with with Josh Gaddis there. It's kind of it's similar to what Penn State was doing a few years ago when, when Joe Moorhead was there. Um, and I think maybe they might have the guy, and I know we kind of say that every year, but this is the best I felt about that. And now Joe Milton in his first start gets to go on the road and play against a pretty good Minnesota team. Like I'm going to be glued to the TV watching every second of that because I want to know if, if Michigan finally has a legitimate dude at quarterback. Because if they do, that sort of changes the narrative, I think, of the entire kind of Big East landscape. Oh, absolutely. I mean, can anyone else kind of close or narrow that gap behind Ohio State? And I think that's where – the the Penn State Michigan thing to me is really interesting because how do you measure like which which of those teams is going to be better this year? Um, if Micah Parsons was back and all these things, then I would say yeah, Penn State probably has the edge there. But right now, Bill, I just I don't know, and I don't I just think so many of these teams because we've seen so little of them, especially in person. Like we really don't know what we're going to be seeing on Saturday. Um, and, you know, you're Minnesota, and, hey, you got to be feeling pretty great because you've got Rashad Bateman back. 
And man, is he fun to watch. I know Penn State fans probably just cringed, might have even vomited when I said this after all the <laughs> nightmares he gave the Nittany Lions last year. Um, but, you know, you've got some big-time playmakers there. So I'm excited for that game. But realistically, Bill, I'll be buried in the laptop by that point. I'm hoping I can have my story done by then. And, and maybe, you know, if I'm still writing by the time that Michigan and Minnesota kicks off, that would mean, like, maybe something interesting happened in Ohio State, Nebraska. Yeah. Which well, I'd be Bill, up, I'd be your for. editor didn't change time zones to give you a different hour to work. So that's how slow I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> 3.30 kick though, you know, 3.30 kick out there. And I, gosh, I should even, I always mess up the time zones in the Big Ten. So I should probably uh, double check and see if Indiana is even in the, the same time zone. I believe they are. I believe yeah. they are. Yeah. Right, here's my question about Penn State and Indiana. Mm-hmm. I am on the record on our Ohio State podcast saying that I think Penn State is going to start the season 0-2. Am there. I nuts? Are you nuts? Yeah. Is that the question? Okay. That's why. The question is, am I nuts? Just, you know, absent of all that, but just, okay, take, that, just take that into account too. Yeah. Well, I think, Bill, what you're saying isn't terribly, horribly off base. Of all the bad outlandish takes that are out there on the internet in 2020, you don't even crack that like top 20 worst percent. Nice. So you're in a pretty good, like soft spot, good territory. Um, I mean, I definitely think there is upset potential for Indiana on Saturday. Um, I, I think Penn State will win the game, but I say that also under the assumption of season openers, I feel like are always really, really weird. Uh, that's in normal years. This is not a normal year. Um, I wonder if Sean Clifford's going to come out like a man who is pissed off at the world um, and ready to put up some points. I just wonder if he has – enough talent around him in the receiving core to do that. So, Bill, you're not terribly off base. Um, I would definitely say they're going to lose one of those first two games at least. Um, I'm not going to pick them to beat Ohio State, which probably to the surprise of no one, unless they come out and drop 100 points, then I'll reconsider. Uh, But I do think they're they're a good team with upset potential uh, being Penn State when looking at Ohio State. But, yeah, I don't – I don't see them going 0-2, but it's a weird, it's a really, really weird year with a lot of changing parts just in terms of like, you lost in many ways, you're one of the biggest cogs on your team. I don't want to say the heart and soul because they still have a lot of pieces there, but there's nobody else like a Micah Parsons waiting in the wings and Penn State's still going to be really, really good this year. Um, but I just I don't see them getting to that other level that Ohio State echelon without Parsons. I feel like I should say, for the Penn State fans who are listening to this, who might hear me say that Penn State will lose to Indiana and just accuse me of being Ohio an Ohio State homer. Um, I went to Penn State and I grew up in Pennsylvania, so it's like I'm not like some Buckeye guy who grew up in Ohio my entire life. Um, I just really like Indiana for some strange reason, and I guess I'm not the only person. Um, who thinks that way because I think they're they're kind of a trendy sort of surprise pick in the Big Ten East. Although I don't know how surprising you can be if you're eight and five last year, but um, the potential for the offense is really is like the ceiling is really high. I think as if Michael Penix stays healthy and they have a new coordinator, but they have a lot of pieces back, and I don't think the new coordinator is going to change a whole lot. So and Penix Wop, was five Wop, and one. What's that? Wop Filer, one of the best names I've ever seen. Love him. He's really good. Peyton Hendershot, their tight ends, good. Good offensive line. Um, 
good stable of running backs. And like Penix was Penix was five and one as a starter last year. But the interesting thing about that, I was just I went back through. See the games that he was right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think that that stat five and one as a starter before he got hurt gets thrown around a lot without the proper context of they didn't play anybody good when he won those. That's where I was going with it. Yes. (laughs) So that gives me some hesitancy. He is not. I think he he did play some against. Penn State two years ago, yes. but he's never he's never played against Ohio State. He's never played against Michigan, and I don't I don't think he started when he played against Penn State two years ago, did he? I I recall him playing. I I don't recall the the context of it, Bill. Again, I'm very much like I I can barely remember if I ate anything for lunch today. So that's I think not regardless, my... it was like last last year was the year that he kind of caught people's eye, and he didn't have to play Penn State, Michigan, or, or Ohio State when he. When yeah, he yeah, did. yeah. The, the, see, the stats last year definitely skewed to your point on that. Um, but I do think he's he's there, there's definitely talent there, Bill. Right, and you can see that that they've got a shot. Um, now I would be very curious if this was a normal year and there was a crowd at Indiana. Uh, what that would look like because I feel like every time Penn State's been out there it's just been like this god-awful empty dreadful um, got locked in the press box or in the stadium one time experience so I do wonder like what kind of what support would be around them although we are in late October so many of them are probably thinking about basketball season now anyway but yeah I just I, I do there's a bit of a buzz around Indiana football I think we can say that um, but now yeah. if we're talking next week, Bill, and they lost, you might be insufferable. Well, the, the, my problem is I, I said that Penn State would start 0-2 like a while ago, and I, I just feel like I should stick to it. But now I'm coming around. Oh, now around you're to, flip-flopping. No, I'll, I'll stick to it. So when Penn State beats them, you can hold it against me. But I do think there's there's too much Indiana buzz now. Oh, so now you hyped up the Indiana train, and now you're pulling it off the tracks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was also trying to figure out, we're doing this uh, Big Ten preview, written preview that all of us um, on the athletics staff that cover mm-hmm. the Big Ten teams like had to take part of. And I was like trying to figure out the standings. And I, I settled on um, Penn State, Michigan, and Indiana all finishing four and two in the Big Ten and like all going like one and one against each other and then trying to figure out the tiebreakers beyond that. And my head exploded. So I don't know who's going to end up being second in the Big that's Ten. That's a lot for a Monday, it. Bill. That is, that's a yeah. lot of thinking for, for one day. Um, but yeah, I do think the Big Ten East, it's, um, I always call it a murderer's row, just because I think there's there's a lot of talent, there's always a lot of upset potential amongst the teams. Um, but man, how, I get it, like this division is really fun right now as it is, but how fun would it be if Michigan was legit? If Michigan had a quarterback? Yeah. Right? Which like, is- I feel like that's what we're going to find out this year. Right, right. That's why I'm really excited to watch this game. And it's like it's a one game sample size, but I'm I'm fully prepared to um, go way overboard with an, with analyzing the results one way or the other, you know, off of <laughs> one game. I don't care if it's a small sample size. I've been waiting too long to watch a football game that mattered in the Big Ten. So um, all these games are getting overanalyzed on Saturday. I can promise you that. Um, you ever speaking of overanalyzing? Um, have you ever taken note of Jim Harbaugh during a warm up session with his quarterback? I, I have not. Have you? I have, yeah. I mean, he's got the cleats on. He's throwing the ball. I mean, he looks like he's ready to suit up. That's always one of my, like, one of my highlights of watching a Penn State Michigan game is watching Harbaugh warm up. I have not watched. Now, now you'll give me you something to watch it. when Ohio State hosts him at, at the end of the year. I have seen that he wears his cleats like it. I think one time he wore cleats the Big Ten Media Days. Uh, yeah, I, I probably. I mean, I would not put it past him. Um, I remember he came in. 
what the year was it when he came in in like a jersey or something like there was something weird about one of his entrances his progression was like a suit and then a suit with a hat and then basically what he wears on the sideline was his like year-to-year progression of what he wore at media day yeah and i got stuck in a an elevator well not stuck in i was in an elevator with scott frost one year at big 10 media days when he was the the talk of the the talk of the conference bill and that was yeah it was quick elevator ride i didn't get the grilling so (laughs) All right, uh, before we wrap up uh, this episode of the Big Football Show, let's go. We've touched on some of these teams, so maybe we can spend less time on those and more on the ones we haven't talked about too much. But let's go team by team in the East real quick and just say what we're interested to learn about them this year, what we're excited to see when they get on the field starting this weekend. And I guess we'll start at the top. Let's start with Ohio State. Um, And I'll I'll go first, I guess, since I see them most Mm -hmm. often. Um, I really do think that – Justin Fields is about to have the best quarterback season that we've seen in Columbus. And maybe that's like not a hot take. I think a lot of people think that around here, but there've been some really good ones and some ones that have looked different. Like Dwayne, JT Barrett had some really good years despite his shortcomings. Dwayne Haskins had a great year throwing the ball two years ago. Braxton Miller was super electric with the ball in his hands. And like this kid, Justin Fields has a blend of sort of what all those guys had and some of the best qualities of all of them. And now he's a year in the system. He's been preparing like a madman. He's angry with the way the season landed last year and his interception to end the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. Like putting all that together, I know it's only a nine game year, an 11 game year if they do what they want to do, but I think this could be something really special. And I'm excited to see it kind of take off starting this week. I agree with you that uh, there, Bill, in that um, Fields is special, man. And he's just so fun to watch. And I know Penn State fans, again, are having some PTSD, thinking of the one-time verbal commit eight million years ago that was Justin Fields. But I really am curious to go, speaking of fighting to give this this season a shot and all these you know opportunities and people being angry, um, Sean Wade could be. You, Bo, you think he's the best? Where do you think, I guess, he stacks up in terms of best corners in football right now? Um. He's in the conversation. It's hard to say because he hasn't played yet, but like J.C. Horn at South Carolina is really good. Um, Patrick Sertan Jr. is really good. But I I like Sean Wade, I think at at worst is is still top five right now and, and can play his way to being better. And that's to me is like, you know, I love when you get a dominant DB, just a shutdown guy. Um, I enjoy watching him play. So I feel like Ohio State, man, they got it going in every possible area. Um, it's, they're, just, they're fun to watch and I look forward to, uh, to watching them. But I think it'd be even more fun, Bill, if somebody can give them a little run for their money. Yes, which is why, like my, my thing for Penn State is what we talked about at the top mm-hmm. of the episode. It's just like, can, can Kirk, Kirk Soraka, Soraka, getting closer. Soraka. There you go. Kirk C. Can Kirk C. make make this offense go? Because when I think about Minnesota last year, I think about Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. I don't see Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman on Penn State's roster. So can he kind of make do with what appears to be some lesser talent at receiver? Or does it take on a little bit of a different look because they're so good at running back and Clifford can move and their offensive line in theory is, is veteran? Can it be some? Can it be explosive in like a different way, and like maybe utilize the tight ends and the backs more than, than Minnesota did? Yeah, they got a plethora of tight ends and backs. Uh, the thing that excites me most to watch Penn State um, is Sean Clifford, and what does he look like now with another year under his belt? I mean, he's voted a team captain. It's just to me, it's you've got a lot of pieces on this offense that should be working for you. But the biggest question again, you hit on it, Bill, that receiving core. 
behind Jahan Dotson, it's wide open. Um, I mean, it's to the point where, which I don't know, I feel like you can take this a couple different ways, right? Like when your buzz coming out of preseason camp is two freshman receivers, I don't know how you feel about that, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's exciting, but it's also like, all right, what does this say about the other guys in this wide open receiving core? Uh, so very curious to see that. Um, but yeah, I think Penn State can can give Ohio State a little push. Um, I personally don't like that game being week two. I wish it was later in the year so this offense could click a little bit more. But hey, the fact that we're getting football, Bill, I can't be too picky about it. Yeah, can't complain about it. Uh, Michigan, talk about Joe Milton. I also want to see when, when Michigan gets on the field with Ohio State in December if Don Brown's defense cannot give up 50 points to the Ryan Day's offense. <laughs> The game, and you got to close the gap. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> that's the remaining theme um, between those two teams. And I just, I've been intrigued with Josh Gaddis from the time he was at Penn State when he was the receivers coach. Um, again, but it all comes back to, do you actually have a legitimate quarterback? Um, can this offense get to a high level? What does it look like at a high level? Um, because, I mean, I think Penn State fans always remember that it was essentially – Okay, you go the Moorhead route, then Ricky Ronnie gets promoted offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, Josh Gaddis goes to Alabama, then he ends up at Michigan. Um, so Penn State fans shouldn't be thinking of it as like a head-to-head, who would you have rather had? Because ultimately, I think Shiraka was the, the slam dunk hire to have this offseason. But for a while there, there was definitely some comparisons um, and you know some rankings amongst the fan bases to see who's <laughs> better. So I want to see what Gaddis can do, assuming he actually has a quarterback. All I care about with Indiana is whether or not they make me look dumb. Well, Bill, now that you've already put yourself out there for some weird Googles, I think that's all we need to know about Indiana. <laughs> I think they have a fun team. I do, I do really like Tom Allen. I think I think he's uh, got a program kind of headed in the right direction, but I also think that what they did last year going 8-5 and five is, is probably the ceiling. Um, it's just a matter of when they get a combination of skill talent like they have with, with this class and the potential or this roster potential they have like can they play spoiler a little bit for some of the teams boy michael penix michael penix with an x don't forget the x yeah bill ed man i can't believe you you owned up to that that's gonna hope that wasn't on your work computer that could get a little awkward uh it wasn't (laughs) um all right this is actually where i think the conversation kind of gets the most interesting michigan state yeah what are you looking for out of the spartans well, I will not uh, storm our rain on Colton Pouncey's parade and ask how tall everyone on the roster is. That's his <laughs> thing. Um, but I just, I really, I feel like it's Michigan State got super, super stale under D'Antonio. And it mm-hmm. felt that way. Um, and I swear every single time I covered a game out there, it rained and just felt dreary and miserable and old and stale and rotten. And I know that it's a more vibrant uh, college town than that. And the thing to me, Bill, is I just look at them and I feel like it's a breath of fresh air now. It's a legitimate chance to, you know, recruit better than they have been. And right now, I mean, we're seeing Penn State go into Michigan and take a lot of talent out of there, which we'll get into in, you know, the coming weeks, I'm sure. But um, I'm just more concerned with them, like, as a program as a whole. Like, for me, with Shiano at Rutgers and with Mel Tucker at Michigan State, obviously completely different settings there. But I just want to see, like, what's the culture of that program? Like, what is changing? Because it's not just an on-field thing. It's a year-round thing. It's a recruiting thing. It's a buy-in. It's, hey, you know, if you're getting it handed to you, do you quit right away kind of deal? And I just – I'm very curious to see with these teams, with new coaches, what it looks like. 
Michigan State at its best under D'Antonio was a team that we saw can can get to Indianapolis, um, and and not every year, but certainly can can have a year where you you feel it building, and then eventually they get there and they break through, and then they get to the Big Ten championship. But even when they weren't on that level, they're always kind of like a pain in the ass for everybody else in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I want I want to know like even even this year, if it's your first year, you're Mel Tucker, like can you can you harvest that a little bit out of this group because they do have some nice pieces. Like it's it's not all there, and I think it might take a year or two. For them to like recruit to what their vision is, just sort of schematically, um, but there's enough talent, and I think he he's built a nice staff there that they can annoy teams this year. Maybe they only finish with three wins or something like that. But if they can take Michigan State or Michigan to the wire, or Penn State to the wire, or um, Ohio State has to go there, and every time they go there, it's like snowing in October, and now they get to go play there um, later in the year. So I think they can use that to their advantage too, and and just be sort of the the. I don't know. It's, it's kind of boring, I guess, but like playing hard matters. And, and I think like when those teams were, were really rolling, that was like the calling card of a Mark D'Antonio team. And I wanted to see if Mel Tucker can get that out of this team in his first year. And that's a, that's a culture thing, right? Like that's not just a, hey, like we're going to recruit really well and do this. It's like, what do you, what's your on-field product looked like in, term of, in terms of all these other weird things that aren't measured by the statute? I really do. I buy into that stuff. Maybe I, Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm like, you with Indiana buying into some of these intangibles and these sorts of things with other teams, but I buy into it. Maryland, I actually don't find particularly interesting. No offense to any listeners who might be Maryland fans. I just like the, when, when Mike Loxley got hired, I thought they'd have a lot more juice than they have right now. Um, and they don't really seem to, I, I, I don't know like long-term what I think about the, the um, prognostications for that program, but I do think that like, you know, Talia Tagovailoa, quarterback, is interesting, and mm-hmm. and they got a really exciting five-star freshman receiver. The only other five-star in the conference, the only other five-star to sign with a team in the conference that wasn't Ohio State was Rakeem Jarrett um, out of D.C., and and I would imagine he's going to play quite a bit. So, like, if Tagovailoa and Rakeem Jarrett can, can, you know, find a connection, I think that can be fun to watch sort of week to week depending on who they're playing. But I don't know if I'm looking for anything that looks like a discernible step forward for Maryland this year. You know, Bill, you nail that name, but Chirac has still got you tripping over yourself. That's right. Um, yeah, I, to me, it's like the Maryland thing. It's the recruiting element I thought was going to be really interesting. And I feel like we're all in this really weird kind of hellscape right now in terms of like this never-ending bed period and all these kinds of things. Um, but that's where your program turnaround is going to have to start is recruiting and winning some of these battles because you've got so much talent in that DC, Maryland, Virginia area to pluck to pluck from, um, that you just gotta kind of start there. But I agree with you, Bill. It's not it's not a team that I'm gonna be racing to the TV to watch necessarily. But maybe they'll prove us wrong. Um, but I I'm not gonna be running to watch them anytime soon. I never thought that I'd be in a scenario where I'd rather watch Rutgers over anybody. But um, here I am, eager eager to watch what Greg Schiano does in year one at Rutgers. And, like, my question is simple, is can anyone actually do this? Like, is it a lost cause totally, or can Rutgers ever become respectable again in the Big Ten? Because if there was anyone who could ever do it, you would think it would be Greg Schiano. Yeah, I, there was the first and only time I heard Greg Schiano speak at, like, a motivational thing. Was at a banquet in State College, like – Gosh, it had to be at least 10 years ago. I was a college student. I was at the Collegian Bill way back when. Just a couple young cub, cub reporters. Um, and he gave this like this whole speech. And it was one of those things where I'm, you know, 
the young skeptical of course reporter and i'm like oh shit like this was kind of convincing you know like like what this guy's saying hmm, i would buy into that the whole you know keep chopping all these motivational tactics and stuff um but i'm with you on if this program truly is a lost cause we're officially going to find out soon um because i feel like if anybody can do it it's it's going to be him but i also feel like bill you kind of got some really cool job security there because like what's the bar right. right like you know what i mean like it's just like okay you you can't be the laughing stock anymore um so yeah i mean penn state makes a trip to piscataway later in the year made that trip several times um, really nothing notable about it but uh maybe this is the year bill this is you know the preseason football everybody should be a little optimistic even if best, we necessarily aren't the best pizza in the big 10 resides in piscataway new jersey there's no doubt about that um i don't I know. know that makes sense though Greg Schiano, I think, can build a program. Like he understands what culture is, and I think that's what you were kind of alluding to. Yep. But his defense was a mess <laughs> his last year at Ohio State, and he had good players then. Now what's he going to like? He if yeah. he trots out like the same kind of stuff he was trying to do defensively with Rutgers <laughs> roster, like good night. <laughs> like yeah, it's not it's not going to go done well with, for with it. big time guys. You're certainly not going to get it done with the uh, lesser talented recruits because you know. You know, Bill, you hear it all the time. Those star rankings, man. You I know hear they matter. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it's important to recruit highly rated players. Yep, I hear that's the hallmark of a good program. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, we'll wrap up there. We want long. We want uh, much longer than I thought we would, but I, I hope that's okay. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Big Football Show. Catch it every day on Monday. Nicole Auerbeck and Scott Docterman, I think will give you like a pretty good broad picture of where things are going with the conference coming off of the previous weekend's games. On Tuesday, you'll hear from us talking Big Ten East. On Wednesday, Scott Docterman again and Mitch Sherman, our Nebraska writer, will talk about all things Big Ten West. Thursday's Colton Pouncey, Austin Meek will give you the perspective from Michigan and beyond. And then on Friday is my main man, Ari Wasserman, and our Wisconsin writer, Jesse Temple, will give you picks against the spread for that weekend's games. Don't forget to fade Ari's picks and Audrey and I will talk to you guys next week.